Welcome to our last Tuesday of the month book discussion and podcast. Just a couple of librarians talking about books we think others might enjoy. March's read is America is Not the Heart by Elaine Castillo. Spoiler alert, we usually end up discussing endings and key plot points. So if those bother you, just be aware and you might have to skip over some section. I'd also like to mention that this book does discuss traumatic experiences of characters and contains themes such as torture or elements that may be triggering for some folks. I'm adult services librarian Amy at the North Liberty Library and joining me today is Liz Peterson, teacher librarian at Clear Creek Amana Middle School. Hi Liz! Hi! <laughs> so awesome to have you. Thank you so much for joining us. I will jump in and talk about language which is a big element for me throughout this book. Did you have specific thoughts, initial reactions about how language was utilized by the author? I originally was like listening to the book on an audio tape and then I was like picking up the physical book and I didn't notice language as much while I was listening as I did when I was like reading it. But yeah, I thought it was interesting how, you know, these characters in the book, many of them have like multiple identities with different languages with each cultural group that they belong to. Elaine, the author, was using the language, I know it had to have been specifically, right? Anytime someone was like emotionally charged or they were angry, they were speaking in like Ilocano or um, Tagalog or whatever. So it highlighted different responses, but I was also connected to each character specifically. Hero, her language use was different than Paz's language use. And then Paz was different than Paul, her husband. I didn't realize how like closely connected Tagalog and Ilocano were to Spanish. To me, I was like, oh, some of those things, like I hear them and like unrelated to the book, but kind of like I was eating a polverone. It's like a Filipino cookie. And I was like, just happened to also be reading about like the Filipino culture, but it's also a Spanish word. That made me interested in like, how did that happen? I didn't do as much background research as I sometimes do when I'm reading books on this one, I will admit. But I think maybe colonizing cultures probably has something to do with that. And we see some of that play out with language here specifically as well, along with other themes that we see in the book. Yeah, like you said, when I was listening to it, I definitely heard some words where I was like, oh, that sounds very Spanish. And not being multilingual myself, I think that those are things that I easily pick up on and maybe wouldn't be prevalent to somebody who is multilingual, who kind of has a better grasp of that. So that experience has to be totally different for those folks. And I liked what you said about identity being connected to the language as well. So like as they're navigating and code switching through identities and language and how interconnected that is. It rang very authentic. Like if they were on the phone and like the husband was listening, then they would speak in one language. But if they were by themselves, they would speak in a different language. And so it was just like very humanizing to also be like, that's what like my life is with teenagers right now. So like, that's what teenagers do. Like they change the way they speak depending on who's around And like, we'll probably choose language that's like more emotionally charged if they're feeling specific ways. Did you read the physical book at all? Or did you just listen? I was only listening to this. So the writing style, like there aren't quotation marks in the book, 
when I was listening to it in my brain could picture when someone was speaking because the shift in the audiobook you could tell. But then I picked up the physical book and there aren't indications when speaking happens all of the time. And so then when it was like going to the flashbacks of her time in, I assume the Philippines, right, is where she was overseas in my brain thinking like oh maybe it's in like italics or something like denoting somehow the shift in the like physical book language has changed and I know that that's not quite what the question was about but I was interested in like that too like the writing style of the language that is really interesting to me so did you notice if it was mostly like it denoted more so when the characters were using English it's the same for everything, English in like Tagalog or Ilocano or whatever language they were speaking. And it'll say like Paul was saying or Nemang was saying, but it doesn't have the quotation marks. It was almost easier for me to be like, oh, they're speaking this on purpose for this reason where I feel like, and this is making an assumption, but like in the book, it was almost like an equalizing factor. Like all of the languages were the same. And that was just like part of like this experience for this specific family. But I hadn't read a book like this in a long time where like there weren't almost like grammatical notations, if that makes sense. I really like that you said that it seemed like an equalizer. I mean, we know that there's different ways to punctuate grammar in different languages. So maybe that was part of that intention. It was definitely interesting. And I didn't think of the equalizing thing until like almost towards the end because I was listening to it for the most part. And then like, as I was trying to wrap it up, I was like, it'll probably be easier if I just finish reading it. But because in my brain, I was picturing that it was going to look different, I guess. And I don't know if it's because like, I'm coming at it from an English speaking perspective where like, that's my norm. But for these characters, like, that isn't a norm. That's very immersive. I love that idea. I did too. Yeah, I thought it was lovely. Yeah. And I mean, she uses language in other immersive ways, like when we have the chapters that are in you versus I, I think there are two chapters that she does that in. I think it's yeah. the first one. And then there's one from Rosalind, right? Ro- yeah. Rosalind's point of view too. It is very short, the 20 minute increment time, but yes. So I think those are the two sections that I remember being in the other points of view, but I just thought that that shift was interesting I don't really have any deeper insights on that, but. but well, I, I do appreciate that she is like looking at this life from three different people's experiences. Like we have someone who was born in the Philippines and immigrated legally. And then we have someone who came after a very traumatic experience. And then we have like a second generation well, actually, I think, wasn't Rosalind born in the Philippines? She was. She was. She lived there until she was five, I think she said. And then she moved to the States. I just remember, like, her accent was mentioned by Hero. Like, you don't sound this way. Which then also was just, like, what is that norm? Like, the typical Filipino experience? Or why is it that even though she was born in the Philippines, mm-hmm. she wasn't identified as that way? I guess, by hero, because she wasn't Filipina enough, almost, is what it kind of felt like. And it does delineate very clearly the different experiences, which I think was probably helpful. And like you said, Rosalind, who I think it goes into this a little bit in her chapter when she's talking about her experience growing up. And at one point, she's talking about manga. 
mm-hmm. and how she kind of lost even the ability to read in Tagalog. And so as an adult, she tried to go back and read it and couldn't. And that was really upsetting. Yeah. So maybe it has something to do with highlighting those experiences of because Paz's experience is also very different from either Heroes or Rosalind's. I was trying to figure out timelines because I know that Cole is older than Pause, but like I don't know by how much because I thought Pause and Hero were similar ages. But I also had a hard time figuring out the gap between them. But I know that like she's about 10 years older than Rosalind. So then I was like looking at it from like a generational perspective because you have Ronnie who's young, who but like acts like she's not young. Like before they mentioned her age, I was like, is she like a teenager? Like I couldn't figure it out. The generational differences I thought was highlighted by telling those three different perspectives as well, because you start off with pause and then like you don't really get her voice again until the end through hero, I guess. But she's kind of like absent in telling her story. It's like other people are telling her story for her kind of. And that was another big thing that I picked up was like the use of how important stories are in the novel. Like you said, kind of Paz is able to kind of give us a view into her story. But for the most part, I think it is written by other characters, at least from what we see. I see there being conflict there with the stories we tell about ourselves and the stories that other people tell about us. And I got to wondering about how the stories we tell about ourselves could maybe be false. Mm -hmm. Like the unreliable narrator kind of idea. Yeah, but also just like, you know, everybody has their own truth view of it, but also just that we don't see ourselves sometimes as maybe whole actors in our own stories. Like there are three versions of the truth. Like right now we're just getting one of them and it's heroes and I thought about her as a narrator a lot because I found her very trustworthy. And I don't know if it's because like, I find that stereotypically we assume people in certain positions are more reliable. Like, is it because she was a doctor or because she went through her traumatic experience? Is it like I trusted her to tell Hero's story and Ronnie's story and Pole's story. Um, But then it's like that same thing with Pole, like, he painted himself very lovingly and like very handsome and like wanted and like doing the best that he could be. But like with pause and even hero at the end, like his truth wasn't as truthful when it was coming from the women in his life. Like you said, the way that people have different roles and how we assign value to those roles when we are thinking about truth. I also think that there's, value in looking at people's stories as the best and the worst as well because although we don't get Paul's perspective really you do see two very different sides of him that I don't think that he would see himself in that much conflict. Paul was fascinating to me both from like Paz's perspective and then from Hero's perspective because Hero idolizes him but also it's like him too like they're so similar in the way that they act and like they interact with people the ending was interesting for me because and I don't know how much we can go into endings with stories and like giving things away at the we end we gave a but. spoiler alert we'll do it again real quick. spoiler alert we're delving into this now 
we're going to the end because I feel like we don't get Paul until the end. Like we got a little bit at the beginning with Paz and then from hero's perspective, we get Paul and like the title of the book is America is not the heart and the whole thing centers around family and like who you interact with and like how those stories are interacting with each other. And I think for Paul, like that was very conflicting for him because he thought this move was going to be fantastic, which also then goes into like the politic question you have, but it wasn't what he was expecting, but for pause, it kind of was. So then like his trying to transfer himself back out of that situation, I found fascinating because then he took someone that not that she didn't belong, but like that wasn't her space. America was her space. And then so then trying to like create a sense of not conflict, but a cyclical event, like wanting Ronnie to be him in this space where they aren't the same and they can't exist the same way. And their stories can't be identical to each other. I don't have children, but Mm -hmm. I assume it has something to do with them being, you know, parent child relationship kind of thing where you want to be able to connect maybe. And that's part of where that comes from. Maybe. I don't know. Was it solely the aunt, Paul's sister, I think is who it is, was like her family is here too, right? Yeah. So like now then poor Ronnie is like, has these conflicting pasts and histories and stories and her truth is one thing, but then she has the truths of her parents and her aunts and her family members that like the cycle of family got interesting for me too, just like. How do you navigate that when like your family is kind of like crushing almost? Like we don't get any of Ronnie's story, I guess, not from her own perspective, but I can only imagine like whether she acknowledged it in this story or not, but like the pressure to be a specific version of Filipina has to be like exhausting. Cultural expectations from everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. And like eating this stuff before midnight. And she's like, I'm just playing. Like, I'm good. And it's fine. And her mom's like, it's bad luck. Like all of these things. And then like the family doctors, the brujas. Mm-hmm. I had no idea that existed. And I thought that was really like an interesting connection or like storyline, I guess. That connection to medicine throughout this family in different ways. Complete spectrum opposites. I probably am making a generalization just from reading this book that from what I read, it appears that there may be some expectations within parts of the Filipino culture to be involved in medicine and helping people. And I don't know if that is a true thing. Well, I feel like the book supports that generalization, but specifically to the men, I think. Cause like when Hero said she wanted to be a surgeon in the story, like the flashback, I think her parents or someone wanted her to be like a lawyer or a pediatrician or something that like wasn't going to like take away from like that maternal role. I think that they were expecting of her. And then you kind of saw that with Hero and Rosalind's friends at the beginning, like the gender roles like coming into play, like having children and getting married and not fitting that was something that like I think Hero embraced quite well. I liked her no nonsense kind of attitude about like everything. She just like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just out like I'm gonna do this and it's gonna be okay. Yeah, she was very free in that sense. And that probably had to do with some privilege from her family growing up. Would be my guess. But and yeah, the privilege she had is way different than the privilege Paz had. Because I also really enjoyed Paz. In the middle, it was talking about how like Paz 
wanted to be needed because she was the one that needed things growing up. And like when she was dating Paul and like moving here, like she was independent on her own because that was not a privilege afforded to her growing up. Let's jump in really quick and talk about why or why not you think this is a political novel. Yeah, I didn't think about it right away. And then I think politics plays a part in everything now that I've gotten to the end. It was intentional, but subconscious almost. At the end, they talk about like the LA race riots, which is like one of those things that instigates, I think, Paul's decision to try to integrate back to the Philippines. And it was interesting because I had no idea that the Filipino culture had all that strife. Like that was not something that I knew about prior to reading the book. But I also am interested, like did that inform Hero's behavior? Like Mm -hmm. more so after she got out? I mean, it was a very traumatic experience going through like being a prisoner of war a bit. For sure. was I would think right and so coming out of that and then immigrating to a place that you don't know but I liked the subtle mentions of things that people should be aware about that they probably aren't like the LA race riots and National People's Army and things like that but I think I was vaguely aware of the NPA but hadn't ever explored that as like its own point in history. So reading about Hero's experience with that and her family's kind of... Ambivalence almost? Yeah. They felt very outside of the conflict because if I read correctly what was happening, they were a very prominent family and seemingly pretty well off, involved in some government related but also illegal activity yeah her neighbors and godparents were the people that like the mpa were like fighting against but they also mentioned that once they found out she was who she was they immediately released her and so i was like and they didn't do things because they were afraid she was a devera like right explicitly said we're not going to torture you this way and we're not going to rape you this way because you might be this girl who like if we do that there are going to be extreme political consequences for us because of how wealthy their family was right there was like some unspoken kind of rules of engagement i guess that I am totally unaware of as a librarian and i'm (laughs) but yeah i found the novel less political in I mean it mentions all these political things and like there's an undercurrent certainly of politics but I felt like the family politics was much more interesting to me and much more poignant in the story and I think not that it was more important but it was placed in a position of importance whereas like like you said it was an undercurrent like they were talking about around these political things And they informed decisions that these characters made. But it wasn't a war novel. Like, it wasn't a political novel in the sense that, like, that was the plot point. And I think that anybody who goes into this reading would maybe want to be aware that, yeah, there are political undercurrents. But it is mostly about family and, like, intergenerational dynamics and, like, the immigrant experience. But it doesn't disregard what's happening around them. I think that's why I liked it more than I would have if it was a political novel, 
because not that I'm not interested in politics, but like I'm not the most informed, especially with like foreign policy and foreign politics, but like anyone can connect to a family story. Anyone can find people in their lives that are their Pauls or their Pauses or their Adelas or their boys or whoever it might be. So were you drawn to one character or another? I think I connected the most with Paws. And I don't know if that's because of my like caregiver tendencies. Like I would go into $10,000 worth of debt to like take care of my family. Not like literally, but figuratively I would. And so I think on that end, when she said she takes care of people because she felt needed and likes to feel needed, I liked, I was like, yeah, that's me. I can identify that way. But I also wanted to be hero, right? Like I wanted to be free in the sense that like she was living her life despite the fact of her family's like history and their truths kind of bleeding into hers. Like she worked completely against her family's past and history, but like still created this like version of herself that like could survive on her own, I guess. And her independence was kind of like a nice breath of fresh air, but did you have any that you connected with? or liked more than anybody else? I mean, I loved Ronnie, of course. She's easy to love. But I found points of connection with all of the characters. But I think I was drawn to the story of Rosalind the most. And I'm not sure why that is. Maybe it's because we only got 20 minutes with her or something. We didn't get a lot of her. I guess from her point of view, we did not get a lot. But like, she played a huge role in Hero's life, in like her story. I also loved Jaime. I think he'd be just like cool to hang out with. I was a big fan of Jaime. I liked him a lot. Yes, I agree. Just like Hero connects with him. That relationship is also something that was really cool. And I can see wanting something like that in a friendship. He's the ideal friend, I think. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us, everybody. If you didn't read this month's book yet, but you're curious, I will also briefly mention it has the description descriptive consensual sex scene Um, and I know some people would prefer not to read about sex and some people love reading about sex and some people it doesn't matter to so just a tidbit uh, for you folks Um, if you enjoyed this month's read and are looking for more books to add to your reading list you may want to try Drown by Hunt Diaz Searching for Sylvie Lee by Jean Kwok The Night Diary by Vera Hiran Andani Those are my three recommendations. I'm going to put you on the spot, Liz, and see if you have any recommendations. You know, I did just read a book called The Fascinators, and I loved it. It was a teen book, but it's about, like, just these kids, like, living their lives, and they have these, like, political undercurrents like this book, but they're not plot points. They're just, like, part of the story. And so I really enjoyed that one. Awesome. I I will be back in April with Jenny Gardner to discuss River of Teeth by Sarah Gailey. We hope you'll join us again. Bye, Liz. Thank you.